Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. If you're new around here, Tin stands for Travel Industry News, and on today's full episode, we're going to cover some of the biggest stories from this month. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journey's Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan with Intention. We've got a lot to cover, per usual, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. Remember the episode, Corrine, when we talked about the Apple AirTags and I was like, well, I use an Android, so what can I use? Yeah. I had multiple people reach out, uh, Jeff and Michelle included, who are avid listeners of the podcast, they were like, hey, there's something called Tile. And I'm like, of course, it's Tile. I actually ordered it. It does the same thing as an Apple AirTag, but for Android phones. So thank you so much. I, um, what's what's it called? Calibrated it yesterday to my phone. So um, I'll be definitely using that on the trip. Very cool. I'm glad you just said that because someone reached out to me today because I never did, uh, I was talking about that app that I use for tipping advice and I never did mm. link it. How rude. Um, and someone actually messaged me today. It's called Tipster. And it's got like a, a black, like the icon is black with like two white arcs and it's mm. just Tipster. And it, it can tell where you are. So if you open it in any country, it will automatically pull up the tipping etiquette for wherever you are. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, I have a few uh, for this full episode, but the first one I wanted to touch on is from Travel Age West and it's by Ken Shapiro. And it's an editorial about how flight cancellations and delays are hassles this summer but they're only temporary ones. And this was Mm -hmm. published earlier uh, this month, but I felt like it was a good reminder for travel advisors who are going through the ringer right now regarding flight changes, all this stuff um, that's been a headache for us. So he writes, summer is here, which for many of us means long, lazy days spent doing what we love. Another mainstay of summer, both now and probably for a while to come, is the reality of flight disruptions, cancellations, and travel mishaps. So he writes, there's nothing great about disappointed and frustrated travelers. It's important to keep the situation in perspective, though. Um, Mm -hmm. He writes that we often hear about this number of thousands of flights canceled or Lufthansa cancels another thousand flights. You know, we see headlines everywhere. And every time when I see that, I get like a little tinge of stress, not necessarily because I'm impacted, but I know a lot of our colleagues and friends will probably be impacted. Mm -hmm. So he makes sure to let us know that there are about 45,000 daily flights in the U.S. So if a thousand are delayed or canceled, that means 98% of travelers are getting to their destination as planned. That's right. With headlines, it's often um, more uh dramatic to say you know a thousand flights canceled so he said all you need to do is check social media to just see 
the number of people who are actually enjoying themselves on their trips, getting through without any issues. He said, travel is back. And despite the challenges, the positives of that greatly outweighs the negatives. And I think the main point he wants us to keep in mind is to keep things in perspective. Yes, there are yep. things that are tough and challenging, but in the grand scheme of things, if you look at the whole picture, it's actually going in the right direction. Yeah. And I think it's hard for us because we're in all of these um, travel agent advisor groups mm -hmm. and everyone's talking about, oh, you wouldn't believe this. You wouldn't believe that. I saw a thread the other day that had me dying laughing like in a, I'm going to go crazy and need a padded room kind of way about like the complaints people have been getting and, you know, the issues. It, it's just bonkers. Uh, but even, you know, we have to remember same thing that like 98% mm -hmm. of travel is going fine. And when I email my clients and I give them like the pack your patience, be ready to roll with the punches, having the right attitude is a game changer. I tell them, please know I have clients traveling all the time without a hitch. I have been to Europe, you know, a couple times this year seamlessly. So don't assume that something's going to go wrong. Just be ready and flexible if you need to be, and you're going to be a lot happier. A hundred percent right. Um, and that's something that Ken mentions too in this article. He said, in the meantime, keep reminding clients that they need to get to the airport earlier than usual. They should sign up for clear or TSA pre-check and to be more flexible and patient than usual. And most importantly, all travelers should be using a travel advisor. And he says, wouldn't it be nice if more articles in mainstream media running alongside all the stories of airport chaos wouldn't it be nice if those articles also reminded readers that the best way to avoid problems is to leave the planning to a professional? Yeah. Because when we do it, we know where things could potentially go wrong. And we yeah. know how to try and mitigate that as best as possible, whereas a regular consumer might not because they don't see it. I have a couple of clients. Um, they were supposed to go to Japan in 2020. It was like a dream honeymoon, um, very healthy budget to go. And of course it was canceled. And so she emailed me a couple of weeks ago and she said, Hey, Teresa, we rebooked our flights for November of this year. Can we start putting together an itinerary for Japan? And I was thinking in my head, like, do they know that right now you're still required to have some kind of guide or escort with you for the entire trip? Like they, that is still a thing and they didn't, they haven't given a date for when that would end. So that would add an extra 800 to a thousand dollars a day for yeah. a guide to go with you the entire time. If you're not part of a small group, um, escorted tour. So if you're there for 14 days, that's, $14,000 more that you're going to be spending for your trip if you're going. And so yeah. when I told her that she was like, Oh, when I booked these tickets, I, I didn't realize that that was still a thing. So even though it's been drilled in, in our marketing and, you know, we, I feel like as advisors, we feel like we've talked about it a lot. It's still important to let people know that the best way to avoid problems is to work with a travel advisor. You know it. So don't forget to remind your clients of that on social. I will be doing that soon. Um, or another reminder, guys, if, if you're not sick of hearing from me about this, here it is again. 
Um, okay, my first article is from Travel Market Report, and it is called, Here is Some of the New CDC Guidance on Cruise Ship Travel. So we are seeing, again, a flood of changes. Um, I'm kind of excited because we're about to get on Alzamara, and I was trying to figure out where to get tested, and I can't get those EMED tests delivered to me in Mexico, so I was going to have to go somewhere. No. I don't. There's no testing required. So um, with all these changes, it's important to know, you know, stay on top of the current status of things. So this week, news came out that the CDC was sunsetting its program for cruise ships operating in the U.S. waters effective immediately, opting for a new set of guidelines for public health operations on cruise ships. So The announcement was the CDC's COVID-19 program for cruise ships is no longer in effect and it will no longer update pages that tracked cases on board ships. Some cruise lines like Virgin moved to drop some COVID-era restrictions right after the news came down. On Thursday, the CDC posted a new set of guidelines which are not mandatory for cruise lines operating U.S.-based sailings. They said the guidelines were published to assist cruise ship operators in establishing health and safety protections to reduce the risk of introduction and spread of COVID-19 during passenger operations and preserve onboard medical capacity. So they're asking cruise ship operators to carefully consider and incorporate their recommendations, but they are not mandatory. So they are recommending pre-cruise health screenings. They're saying they should screen passengers for signs or symptoms of COVID-19, known close contact exposure to a person with COVID-19 within the 10 days before embarkation, or a positive test within 10 days before embarkation. They should consider denying boarding to those who are exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19 before boarding unless they're testing negative, and those who've had close exposure within five days of embarkation should only be allowed on board if they're up to date with their vaccines, asymptomatic, and have a negative test. Um, The CDC is no longer requiring cruise ships to operation vaccination-only voyages. However, its new update is still recommending that all eligible travelers be up-to-date with the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, They no longer have to require tests before embarkation, but they're, of course, still recommending that, too, to reduce the likelihood of onboard transmission and any spread. They're saying testing within one day of embarkation is highly recommended. They may also consider conducting embarkation testing for all or a subset of passengers. They want all operators to have the capacity to do tests on board, including PCR, NAAT, and rapid tests. And then they're still recommending that cruise line operators have a plan in place for a COVID-19 outbreak during a sailing, including isolation, quarantine protocols, and a medical facility on board to be able to treat those who are infected and ill. That includes some kind of surveillance protocols to detect COVID-19 in passengers, isolation and quarantine protocols, medical facilities on board, and the ability to provide hospital level of care for infected patients without the immediate need to rely on shoreside hospitalization. And then they should also have Sorry, um, procedures in place for disembarking travelers with COVID-19 who need a higher level of care, of course. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly things shift. Uh, I've gotten like contradicting emails from some Mm -hmm. certain cruise lines. So I think right now we are probably all getting a lot of questions that we can't answer. So I'm sort of sticking with the, you know, things are shifting, 
keep your eyes peeled. I had a client call the other day and he wanted me to create a plan for him to be tested in a late October sailing in Rome. And I was like, number one, it's probably <laughs> not going to be required. And number two, if it is like, I don't know if there'll be as many facilities, like we can't right. make the plan right now, but he, right. he said he expected that answer. So he was happy. But he was going to ask anyway. Okay. Yes, of um, course. So I had ordered my EMED tests for the upcoming cruise and it was literally the day before they made the announcement, the CDC made the announcement. And I was just like, oh, trees of planning ahead. Cause you know, it takes some time now to deliver. It wasn't like before where, you know, it was, you know, a little bit quicker. And I was just like, I want to make sure I have that in time. I don't want to try to find a spot in Spain for us to test. Nope. They made the announcement and I'm like, great. At least I'll have two just in case, um, but mm -hmm. I can't foresee needing it. I just had a wicked case of hay fever, really bad. And I really, truly thought I had COVID, but I tested twice. Mm -hmm. I was grateful to have some tests on hand. So yeah, they won't go to waste, I'm sure. Or I, I mean, I hope they do, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. So for our listeners, if you don't know, Karina and I love gossip, like any kind, like Bravo level gossip, celebrity gossip, you know, we are all about the cheese me. So imagine my surprise and delight when I open up travel market report and I see the headline OTA lastminute.com's CEO and COO arrested in COVID fraud probe. I am all about this kind of news in terms of it being able to help elevate actual travel advisors over OTAs. Mm -hmm. So the article talks about the Europe-based online travel agency lastminute.com and how it's in the midst of a major um, restricting following the arrest of its CEO and COO last week. The company is under investigation by authorities in Switzerland regarding the alleged misuse of COVID-19 relief funds. Lastminute.com released a statement saying that five people, including its CEO and COO, were taken in by Swiss authorities in connection with the investigation for suspicions of fraud, unlawful claim for social insurance or social assistance benefits, and breach of the Swiss Unemployment Insurance Act. And so those two men remain in custody. So the OTA received a total of around $29 million during the period between March 2020 and February 2022. And that money was earmarked for helping to cover wages during the pandemic. And that's what they are investigating, whether those, those funds were misused by the OTA. Ooh. Of course, they're saying that um, they being the OTA, they're saying that, no, we didn't do anything wrong. And let me see here if they say exactly what they think they used it for. But I don't think it details it here. I'll, I'll post the link in the show notes um, for you guys to probably look at. Tacos. Probably tacos. They were Italian, though. So probably pasta. Oh, oh like maybe. All of it. All of it. Um, Lopagini. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this isn't the only OTA that has been, you know, that has been investigated for unlawful practices. Um, it says here in the article that earlier this year, online hotel booking platform Trivago was fined 44.7 million 
um, Australian dollars for misrepresenting cheap hotel rates. And they've linked an article within this article for that particular story. And they said Trivago engaged in conduct that was misleading or deceptive or likely to mislead or deceive the public. Mainly, Trivago claimed that it makes it easy to find the ideal hotel for the best price in TV and digital advertisements while simultaneously positioning offers at the top of consumer search that was not the cheapest offer for the hotel room. So basically, Trivago displayed offers made by those who were advertising with the company and those who had paid more per click. So when I see this, and I know for the most part, like my clients are largely ethical people. I mean, we don't want to work with people who are like unethical, but a lot of people don't know behind the scenes what's going on with OTAs. You know, they, they might think, you know, cause they see it in print or on TV, you know, Oh, let me go to Trivago and check out this really great deal. Not knowing that they are being misled. So this is something that's important for us to let our audience know, like it might be the cheapest price when you're looking, but click all the way through. Like, are you sure you're not being taken advantage of? So something to help, put us in a better light because we're ethical people for the most part. Right. I am. I know. Yeah. Is, but. <laughs> but it's just something That's to know. Sure. And, <laughs> and not just this article, but under this article, they have related articles and it's all about different OTAs being fined and being caught for unethical, unlawful practices. So if you're into gossip as much as, I am. Go ahead and check this out. Yeah, I saw that one too. That was juicy. (laughs) Very juicy. Shall we knock out some excess baggage? Oh, yeah. All right. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, U.S. passport wait time is now 8 to 11 weeks for routine service. They also report that a heat wave in Europe is causing major issues along the Rhine River, which is experiencing some of its lowest levels in over a decade. A headline from Travel Pulse says, Celestial Cruises host child refugees of Ukrainian war. Celestial Cruises and Ark of the World recently worked together to give some children who've been uprooted from their homes a welcome distraction from the horrors of war and to help them feel more at home in Greece. Another one from them says that Delta is looking at private charter pilots to solve their shortage. The Atlanta-based carrier has announced it will allow pilots in its college training program to log the critical air miles needed for certification by flying for Wheels Up, a well-known private charter service. Travel Weekly reports that the Hawaii, 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 (laughs) the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival will return this fall. Another one from them says that the next iteration of Disney World's famous wearables, Magic Bands, will launch on July 27th. Magic Band Plus devices will be available for purchase online and at Disney's Orlando campus starting at $34.99. According to Travel Agent Central, Air France has unveiled Michelin-starred menus created by French chefs Michelle Roth and Anne-Sophie Peake in its long haul La Premiere and business cabins on departure from Paris. The menus will be available until October 2022. They also report that Anguilla and BVI have dropped pre-arrival test requirements. And our high note today is from afar. Soon, some public train rides in Spain will cost absolutely nada 
for both locals and tourists. The country recently announced that anyone will be able to board various trains between popular tourism destinations in the state-owned rail network Renfe for free from September 1st until at least the end of the year. And that's it for Excess Baggage. While Corrine catches her breath, just a reminder that all the articles we reference today uh, will be linked in the show notes. So if you want some more details, go ahead and check them out for yourself. So this next article is from Travel Age West, and it is how to create marketing that is inclusive of all travelers. I've seen a lot of conversation around this lately, so I thought this was really interesting. Uh, and the article says consumers are considering how inclusive current offerings are when re- when searching for and booking travel, according to newly released data from Expedia Group Media Solutions. The research shows the need for improvement with around half of respondents saying they have seen options that are accessible to all abilities and are inclusive of all types of travelers. Nearly all travelers say that it's important for travel providers to meet the accessible needs, accessibility needs of all travelers. So, so a little bit of stats, of course. Most respondents, 7 in 10, say they're willing to pay more to make a travel decision that is more inclusive, with 78% of respondents saying they have made a travel choice based on promotions or ads that they felt represented them. This figure is even higher for millennials at 84%. And we know that's where the the good business is going forward. 64% of travelers are also interested in supporting the local cultures and the destinations they visit, which we talk about a lot when we talk about sustainability. They say our findings show that consumers today are paying close attention to whether travel brands are authentically demonstrating a commitment to inclusion, diversity, and accessibility. And the, um, Jen McCarthy, Senior Director of Brand Marketing at Expedia Group Media Solutions says, at Expedia Group, we understand the importance of not only practicing inclusion with our team, within our teams and across our brands, but also empowering our travel advertising partners to do the same. So how can marketers be more inclusive? Expedia shared several tips. The first one saying, uh, being, be thoughtful and representing a variety of perspectives. Assemble diverse imagery, recognizing that diversity can include races, genders, ages, families, couples, abilities, activities, and more. And I have to say, sometimes it's tricky to find photos that that represent different types of people. Um, mm-hmm. At Travel Agent Collective, I know Nikita has quite a few photos. She makes a point to find more diverse options. Um, use welcoming and respectful language across all marketing and travel listings, while also highlighting amenities and accessibility for travelers of all backgrounds and abilities. And when using video, feature closed captioning and subtitles and use legible fonts and contrasting colors to ensure content can be read by all. So those are pretty simple. Yeah, it just requires a little bit more thought and effort, but mm-hmm. resources are out there to help you out and... I think just, you know, having family members and friends who kind of ascribe to a bunch of different demographics and populations and abilities, I know it's much appreciated to see that being represented and and it makes them feel more welcome for that particular experience. Yep. It's a big purchase and people want to see themselves reflected when they're making those decisions. 
So my last article is from Travel Pulse, and it's titled How to Travel More Without Spending More. And at first I was like, let me just look through this. I don't want some kind of weird travel hack that is unrealistic. Let me just take a look and see what this is about. And I, yeah. Um, but I thought it was very interesting and it potentially beneficial for travel advisors um, as we plan our travel, as we plan our fams. Mm-hmm. And it's a Q&A with the host of the podcast, All the Hacks, Chris Hutchins. And he talks about using credit card points for travel, the best airline miles programs, cheap flight search techniques, and more. So this could, with with all the purchases that we make travel-related um, purchases, it's helpful to know which credit cards are going to be the most beneficial for us, give us the mm-hmm. most, you know, kickback. So I'm just going to run through um, a few of the Q&As, and then you guys can check this out in the show notes. Um, as the man with 10 million airline miles, how do you accumulate credit card points and use them to travel for free? And Chris Hutchins says it comes down to two main things. First, he takes a look at how he's spending his money and he makes sure that he always has a card that offers bonus points on the areas where he spends the most. So because he knows he spends a lot on travel, dining and groceries, he has Chase Sapphire Reserve to earn three times on travel and an Amex Gold to earn four times on dining and groceries. And the best, um, so the, the, other big way to earn points is taking advantage of big sign-up bonuses for opening new cards whenever they happen. He says he doesn't take it to the extreme of opening up, you know, dozens of cards a year, but when he sees an amazing bonus valued at over a thousand dollars in points, he'll usually take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And in this article, they do link to certain episodes that um, Chris refers to in his answer. So he said he shared a card on his podcast episode um, that increased the sign-up bonus to something worth almost $1,500 in points. So he also takes advantage of little hacks. Um, So for something like Home Depot, he doesn't want to get a Home Depot-specific credit card because he doesn't buy a lot of things at Home Depot to make it Mm -hmm. worth it. But he purchased a Home Depot gift card at the grocery store using his card that gives him four times points on dining and groceries. So because it's under the groceries category, he's able to get that number of points for the gift card. And that's something that um, Ju and I do as well. He gets six times points on groceries for his specific Amex. And so if we ever need to make a big purchase like a TV at Best Buy or Home Depot or anything like that, we're just like, let's just go get a gift card at Publix and then we'll get the points from the gift card without having to get a Best Buy or Home Depot credit card to take advantage of that big purchase. So if you guys have something similar to that, check your grocery stores for those gift cards. Um, and he says how to use them to travel for free. He says if the points are with a specific airline or hotel group, he'll just book directly through their websites. But if he's earning points in a flexible program like Chase's Ultimate Rewards or Amex's Membership Rewards, he'll use those points to transfer to the airline partners and then book through those partners' mileage programs. So another episode is linked here and it walks through how he booked a $20,000 plus trip to Bora Bora for only $1,500 plus points. Wow. 
So there are some really great tips in here and he touches on different credit cards for different things. Um, so another question that he was asked was, um, what are some of your secrets to getting the most value out of airline miles? His answer was the biggest secret to getting value out of your points and miles is to have some flexibility. While most people assume that means flexibility on dates, it can also mean being flexible with where you go, how last minute you book or how many stops you're willing to take to get there. He said once his wife and him had a very specific window to take a trip, but they only had a day or two of flexibility around the dates. They also knew they wanted to go somewhere in Europe, but they were willing to wait until the last minute to book when a lot of mileage award availability really opens up and they were open to so many different places. So they ended up booking a trip to Budapest, Prague and Vienna a week before departure and got an amazing deal using their points. So another resource for travel advisors to use because we know those fam trips are so important. Yes. And expensive. And expensive, especially now. Like, yeah, you're inviting me to this fam, but how much are tickets? How much are flights? Or when you're doing self-guided things like what I'm doing right now. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. I was invited on a cruise. There was a cost to that, but I decided to add on nine nights in Spain prior to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to have a few hacks to make it all a little bit easier. Yeah. Yep. Having said that, I just want to throw up when clients tell me, I have a bunch of points. <laughs> When they tell me that, I'm like, use it for your flights. The best place to use your points are your flights. Or I just sort of tell them, like, I can't use points for you. Um, If you want to use points on flights, that's great. If you have a couple of hotels, that's fine. But I cannot use points. And if that's not, I mean, if that's okay with you, we can move forward and work together. But if that's very important to you, then I'm not the right advisor for you. Yeah. All right. Well, my last one um, is sort of along that theme, and it is from Travel Market Report. It's called Why Shoulder Season is the Next Big Travel Trend. I love traveling during shoulder season as long as that shoulder season isn't rainy. (laughs) So the article says seasonal high peak destinations are no longer getting the cold shoulder during shoulder season, thanks in part to people working remotely. Travelers have traditionally sought out the shoulder and off-peak seasons to snag the best deals. Um, But now people are doing a lot of blended travel, business and leisure travel together, and they have greater flexibility, and it has empowered the travelers. So um, Bridget, no, Ginger Taggart, Vice President, Brain Management of Global Crown Plaza Hotels and Resorts, says, we're now witnessing a profile of traveler who is more adaptable and flexible, likely more opportunistic to itineraries and destinations as well. Thus, travel is not bound to peak slash off-peak restrictions like before. It's an exciting time for travel, and we're keenly following the blended travel evolution. I found this interesting because that's something we have to find our place in kind of, or possibly, because now that more and more people are working remotely and they're taking more extended trips, and then where do we fit in and planning that type of travel? Mm-hmm. Um, that could actually be a challenge, an obstacle for us that we need to figure out how we can fit into that. 
Viator's 2022 travel trends report also shows shifted consumer travel choices following the pandemic, including a craving for the outdoors that is stronger than ever before. And that's another reason the shoulder travel season has become more popular in many destinations, because experiences can still be enjoyed outdoors while the weather is still agreeable. Sometimes better. Sometimes a little cooler for those outdoorsy types. (laughs) Yeah. I'm an indoorsy type, so. Yeah climate controlled. <laughs> I do like to see scenery, but you know, for the most part, like I'm not glass a dome train. <laughs> like glass dome train. Yes. <laughs> um, Jake Hatch, director of sales and marketing at Sanderling Resort in Duck, North Carolina said Labor Day once marked the end of our peak season. With more travelers being able to work from anywhere over the last two years, the Outer Banks has seen an increase in visitors choosing to visit after the dog days of summer, taking advantage of slightly lower room rates and occupancy. I always um, had some friends who used to go to Key West in July because it was cheaper. And I was like, you you couldn't pay me to go (laughs) to the fiery hot (laughs) depths of Hades. In July. I say that, but now I'm in Europe during a heat wave. Philip Cham, Bridgeton Holdings, says that the Merrim Montauk saw a 20% increase in occupancy during the shoulder months year over year. Shoulder months still remain more affordable than standard months, although rates have definitely increased across the market. We have and believe we will continue to see busier shoulder seasons as the travel conditions expose first-time Merrim to so many first-time visitors. That's a weird sentence. The shoulder is season is becoming more popular in the safari world too. Uh, it says the tricky U.S. economic situation is driving the more affordable shoulder season safari travel. Travelers are worried about a possible recession, but at the same time are eager, even desperate to travel after two plus years of pandemic travel restrictions. I was just chatting with our tour guide about this yesterday, like normally because we would see people kind of backing off but people do not care it is a priority period end of story Um, climate change is another factor additionally changing weather patterns for the last five plus years in some of the top african safari countries are driving more people to choose shoulder seasons like march and april and the shoulder season is also more attracted to safari goers who are looking to escape the summer crowds, which are a widely known issue during the July to October peak season in places like the Masai Mara and Northern Serengeti, Serengeti where hundreds of vehicles at a time can be seen gathering at the river for great events like the Great Migration. In the Caribbean, <laughs> Teresa's being my yes man today. She's just nodding. That's usually my job. I'm nodding. I'm like, <laughs> sounds about right. I'm like, yep, I hear you. Yep. And I wanted to see, like, at what point does shoulder season stop being shoulder season? Because if so many people are traveling during shoulder season, I mean, is it just going to average out to be every single month is peak season? Perhaps. I remember when... Years ago, we had wave a real wave season, and like mm-hmm. I did not eat or sleep from January first to March thirtieth, and now that has all evened out too. So maybe it won't be there. Well, peak season will just be longer. I think for now, for sure, peak season will be longer until people get their fill of travel and and everybody mm-hmm. relaxes a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, it says in the Caribbean, the Aurora Anguilla Resort and Golf Club is a newly reopened property. Announced last week that they're staying open for shoulder season this year, the only property on the island to do so. Traditionally, resorts here shutter for September and October. Probably hurricanes. So it does become a little bit of a challenge because the term seasonal staff is fairly well known, but now businesses have to figure out how that's all going to work with scheduling. As we know, the whole world is understaffed right now. So that will be Mm -hmm. something that might take some time to level out as well. But for the most part, everyone's very excited (laughs) to have a longer peakish season than before. I feel like in terms of like traveling right now and having um, a lot of places being understaffed, I personally feel like I've I've become way more chill, like just in general in life. You know, when I'm driving, I'm not stressed. Um, If someone wants to like cut me off, I'm just like, whatever. I'm not in a rush. And even if I was in a rush, whatever, you know, I'll still make it there in time. And just like my general approach thing, approach to things is just way more calm. I mean, there's no reason to be stressed right now. And why are you stressed for what? So when I hear people traveling abroad and complaining about the smallest things um, and them also knowing that people are understaffed, there are supply chain, like all these factors that they know about and they start complaining and being really angry about things. I'm just like, why just like, just go with the flow, you know, take note of the really positive things that are happening. You know, everyone is there happy to be on vacation and you haven't vacation in a while. And remember two years ago when you were like, I'm never going to take travel for granted again. Well, yeah, yeah now's the time to prove it. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking today, I I got what I interpreted as maybe a frustrated tone from one of my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, He was following up on something that he is feeling anxious about, uh, but I'm so calm about things (laughs) these days. I'm just like, you know, I'm waiting for a response. I haven't reached Mm -hmm. out because there's nothing to tell you yet, but rest assured I'm on top of it. But I realized I need to get in front of that with my clients and say, hey, listen, you know, responses don't come as quickly as they used to on things. Just know that I'm on top of it. But I've gotten so relaxed that I'm just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll figure it out. You know, people aren't getting vouchers until three days before travel. It's just like the world we're living in now. But I have to remember that my clients are nervous about those things and that's not fun for them in the planning process. So I need to be more clear up front about what to expect in terms of response times and things like that. Yeah. Assert control in the beginning. And I think once your clients know, Hey, Kareen is on top of it. Teresa's on top of it. And part that COVID confidence, be like, listen, we've got this handled just not right now because it's not available yet or whatever the reason is. Yeah. No, we're, we're on top of it. Just, Enjoy the planning process. Yep. You hired us for a reason. Exactly. So what destination is on your mind lately? I am super excited about Aix-en-Provence, which Mm -hmm. is um, an excursion option when we are 
recording in Marseille. I believe Marseille is the one where you can go to Aix-en-Provence. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to that because I recently had, uh, I'm putting together an itinerary and quote for clients who initially were thinking about Nice in Southern France, but because it was so expensive, um, we're actually moving them to Aix-en-Provence instead, where it's a bit more affordable. And the clients love it because one of them, she's a huge Cezanne fan. And so his studio's there, the museum's there, the place where he would paint and take inspiration from is there. And it's just the French countryside. And I feel like I'm so looking forward to that because it's a part of France that I have always been interested in, interested in but never had the opportunity to go see. So I'm looking forward to Aix-en-Provence. How about you? I'm excited about that one too. So um, I'm in the destination on my mind. That's probably why it's on my mind. It is Valencia, (laughs) Spain. I'm leaving tomorrow for Barcelona, but um, I had been here once before by myself. I was hosted by the tourism board and they arranged a couple tours for me. It was really fun. It's definitely a lot more fun enjoying with friends and loved ones, you know, and I haven't been disappointed. I was worried that I had built it up too much in my mind. I was very proud to bring my wife and my friends here and and show them. I just love this city. It, It has a little bit of everything because you have the beach, you have the modern city and you have the old town and it has just been so lovely and the food just I just can't like what we had for lunch today was just so spectacular. <laughs> I can't, I can't even, um, it's called Fidewa and it's like a paella, but made with noodles. Mm-hmm. We also had paella Ooh. and we had seafood paella the other day. And then today we had one with cauliflower, chickpeas and, um, bacalao, which is cod, like salt cured cod. Oh yes. And then the fide Fidewa was seafood and it was, oh my gosh, I, I could have eaten a whole other pan of it. It was too die for it. <laughs> the city's just so beautiful. There's so much to do. They have a huge park where the old river used to be. You can rent bikes. They have a super fut- futuristic area where they filmed a lot of sci-fi movies. Mm, you can paddleboard there. It's just such a great place. And I feel like it's underappreciated. Um, it is hot and humid right now, but it is just lovely just to walk around, just to sit in cafes, or you can be really active here. Very pedestrian and bike friendly. Mm. I'll add to my list. I wish I had more time in Spain, but yeah, I just have less than 36 hours, I think, in Barcelona. That's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Barcelona too. And we just went to Madrid and that was my first time there. And I love that as well. But Valencia is still my favorite so far. I've also been into a lot of places up in the north, but this city just has a little something for everyone. And kind of like where I live in Mexico, you have the historic center, which is almost like a small town inside of a big city, which I like. So what is something you have been loving? Um, Well, I haven't really used this yet, but upon a first inspection, once it was delivered, I think I'm in love. Um, so things like this are why I am not hating on ads that pop up on Facebook and Instagram, because I would not have found this new carry-on roller and this other bag. It's called the mini weekender um, from a company called Bays, and it's spelled B-E-I-S. And okay. It is 
I can't believe I've never seen or heard about this before, but it's been like an item beloved by numerous travelers because I posted on it on Instagram today in a reel and I had multiple people tell me, oh my God, I love the items I have from Bays. I love this bag and I love that. And um, I have a mini weekender and when I open it up, it has so much space inside and there's a bottom compartment that you can unzip and put, I would say like it could fit four pairs of shoes on the bottom compartment. Ooh. And if you have just sandals, it can probably fit like 10 pairs of sandals if they're like flat sandals. And that has, um, that in itself is really cool. But then I also ordered the carry-on roller and the way that the carry-on roller is segmented is amazing. And um, the weekender bag, you can unzip one part of it for it to attach or slide down like the handle part of the Mm carry-on roller. So it like fits together really well. So I'm very much looking forward to using these two items on this upcoming trip. But um, I, I am really, really impressed with the design of these pieces. I'm going to be going to the website immediately after we're done here. Wait, <laughs> let me send you a referral code. Because oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it'll give you a discount, but then also I get points. And they like do the points. show notes. In the show- yes, I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> and what's something you are loving right now? Food tours. Food. <laughs> Spanish food. <laughs> all of the tours that we have booked on this Spain part of the trip are food tours and we have tried so many things and some things there was like some wines we tried that we definitely did not like but it was still interesting to try them and know that they Mm -hmm. exist and what they're for and then pair them with the right food and see how the taste changed you know just um the food here is spectacular and people always look at me like I'm crazy when I say that I prefer the food in Spain to the food in Italy. I love the food in Italy. Do not get me wrong. But if I have to choose between the two, I'm picking Spain. And, um, but one of our travel companions said today, he goes, yeah, I can see why you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Die for, and we've just tried so many neat things. Last night we tried this. It's like a mash of potato cod garlic he said there might be a little egg in there and you just put it on slices of bread it was so good mm. just mm. and uh just the markets here i i i just can't get enough i need more stomachs but i really <laughs> love a food tour because they're always going to take you to some place that you would not have found They're always going to introduce Mm -hmm. you to food that you would not have tried. And even though it's not going to be a hundred percent hit, it's still interesting to try to try these things. And actually our meal today was the result of finding out what Valencians at home usually make this baked rice dish. That's a little simpler than paella, I guess. And that's what we wanted, but good to note If you're sending clients here, a lot of these restaurants that make these rice dishes, they actually have to be ordered the day before. And in this case, that dish, that was the case. So we just found out about it last night. So then we ended up having these other two things that blew my head off. So whatever, it was meant to be. And I'll try that (laughs) other rice dish the next time we come back. Um, But I just love 
being introduced to new flavors, new things, new little hidden gems. And tomorrow in Barcelona, we're doing an actual hidden gems tapas tour that I'm excited about. That'll be super fun. I hope you guys have an amazing time on that tour. Definitely will. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative. All the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. Yep. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments or would just like to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge. We'll see you next week. Bye. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.